90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here during the 90.7 WXIN Radiothon for Project Safe Pet. So once again, if you like animals, you want to help them get taken care of down south, stray dogs, stray cats, all the like of that, please call in 401-456-8787 or donate on projectsafepet.com. Anyway, though, we've been talking mainly Patriots up to this point, but now it's 4.30, and we are now joined here by Ken Doyle, editor-in-chief of GuyBostonSports.com and the host of the Wicked Smart Podcast. And we've been having a little bit of phone trouble, but Kenny, are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right, happy to have you, my man. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, man? Good. Happy to have you. Now, Ken, you wrote an article, came out this week that I really liked, a comprehensive Red Sox management guide to 2018 free agency. Why Got a long title. Why 2019 will be the most yeah. important <laughs> offseason in franchise history and yeah. more. And we've been talking about this a lot on the show because I find it fascinating because obviously the Red Sox are in a very, very, very precarious spot fresh off of a World Series. And frankly, it's good to get back to hating on the team a little bit. But I mean, basically, I mean, what do you. Yeah, the whole article, it's a pretty long article, very comprehensive. But yeah, I mean, what do you. What do you think this team needs to do this offseason and beyond? Yeah, so basically the article is just talking about uh, the Red Sox financial, financial situation and how close they are to the tax. Obviously, they're the highest payroll in MLB last year. But yeah, I mean, 2018 is going to be an interesting offseason. Not a lot of important, uh, like, he, you know, the top of the roster, the core of the roster is not up, but a lot of guys on the fringes there, like Evaldi, Pierce, and Kelly, guys that had great, great postseasons, but maybe their profile uh, isn't quite as big as the performance they showed in the postseason is. So I think it's for that reason it makes it a very interesting offseason for the Red Sox. Yeah, and obviously next offseason was always going to be extremely important. It is still extremely important, but the postseason's funny because the postseason kind of went and made this offseason – a lot more interesting because, yeah, you're right. You have Craig Kimbrell, who I thought was the most important free agent. Now I think is maybe the least important free agent on this team. And then you have Nathan Avaldi, Joe Kelly, Steve Pierce, guys who really played themselves into maybe bigger contracts. And you mentioned in this article, because you do list the AAV for these guys, and I'm glad you didn't – oh, you did list Steve. You did list, list Steve Pierce, but – you do say that you think that the highest this team should offer Craig Kimbrell is $12 million. And honestly, after the, not just the postseason, which I'm not trying to only react to the one postseason, because it's difficult, because you don't want to overreact to one postseason, but also, you know, that's what matters. So you want to try to, you know, give it some importance. But you say you want to give Craig Kimbrell $12 million. I honestly, after the season he had also, he did slip a lot. I almost say the team should just let K- Craig Kimbrell walk if he gets – walk if he gets any kind of real serious offer on the market and do you see that do you see there being a market for Craig Kimbrell right so that number is basically just me trying to be fair to Craig Kimbrell's actual market and value while also putting it low enough just as to say the Red Sox aren't signing Craig Kimbrell this offseason because that's uh, what I truly believe and that's it seems, seems like the writing's on the wall you know they drafted mm-hmm. Urban Feltman in the third round last offseason he doesn't get called up in September for whatever reason, but if you're going to draft a reliever in the third round, you've got to figure he's your closer of the future at some point. So I think the writing's on the wall there that a long-term deal for Craig Kimbrell does not make sense for the Red Sox, and that's the reasoning behind the number. As far as the closer, who the closer is going to be next season, I mean, that's a tougher question to answer right now. It seems like maybe they'll go with a guy like Barnes or like Brazier and just transition into uh, Feltman maybe at midseason if things are going horribly mm-hmm. maybe in the 2020 season but I just don't think a long-term deal makes sense 
for Craig Kimbrell when you've invested what you've invested in a reliever. Yeah, in I, the draft. I, I mean, either way, I just say see you later on the guy. And even then, I mean, you have, you know, maybe a guy like David Robertson, who I, I'm a huge fan of Robertson. Like at this point, I might maybe want to see them bring in a guy like that. But you think that Feltman is somebody who's going to be on the roster after spring training? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell with Feltman. You know, it, it's been such a wild situation with him. But as soon as I drafted him, he seemed like a guy that mm-hmm. could be electric in, in the late innings and in the bullpen for them. And like I said, he is, he's been a bullpen arm. He was a bullpen arm in college. And he mm-hmm. was a, a great closer. He was one of the best closers in the draft, maybe the best closer in the draft. And I just don't see uh, the, the ideology behind drafting a reliever, like I said, in the third round, unless you have a plan for that guy to be your closer at some point. It's tough to say that's going to be next year. I would be more confident in saying that if Feltman was added to the roster when mm-hmm. they expanded to 40 in September. But since he wasn't, uh, it's, it's kind of harder for, for me to gauge. But uh, I, I think uh, I would at the very least expect them to, him to be on the roster in 2020. I'm not as confident as saying he will be in 2019. Okay. And then you go, you go on a list of guys. And then Steve Pierce, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Let, let, I think the best thing possible for Steve Pierce is to let him walk Instead of let him stay and just become a platoon guy next year, which a I you realistically you can find a guy like Steve Pierce, you can, you can find another old right. dude to hit lefties, and I would rather just you know let the le- legend of Steve Pierce live on. So I say just let that guy walk, especially considering the cap. And then Joe Kelly, I think is interesting, but I think easily the guy who at least the guy who I actually want to see the team resign. I am in. I'm pretty in on Nathan Navaldi <laughs> as a guy who is versatile. As a guy who had, you know, obviously was lights out all postseason. I mean, he gave you a start out of the bullpen, which was wild to me. Yeah. He gave you a six-inning start out of the bullpen. I mean, he's a guy who did play well in a lot of spots in the regular season, which then I wasn't really willing to buy in on it just because, you know, it's this random guy who's never done anything who you got for Jalen Beeks. But, like, I, I usually – I'm pretty willing to retroactively look back on really anything if a guy proves it later on. So – a guy who did have a lot of strong spurts. Like I, I'm willing to see the team re-sign Nathan Evaldi. And you have it here at 14 million. Do you think he right. can get that kind of money on the market? Because I think he's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm afraid he will. I mean, when you look at what Rick Porcello is making, 20 million a year, and Nathan Evaldi was a far better pitcher in the postseason. The value on pitching in MLB, I mean, it, it, it varies based on who you ask. Really, I mean, you look at the postseason; so many stars were pulled so early. But still, it, when you look at the rotations of the teams that did make the playoffs, the Astros. The, you know, the, the Dodgers and the Red Sox, they all had great, great rotations. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, that debate. But I think Evaldi played so well in the postseason that I, I think a team could come along and, and really pay him a lot. But if they don't, I would obviously love to have him back. Mm-hmm. But if they, do, if they do offer him a contract, you know, close to approaching that or past it, I, I don't think the Red Sox should match that. I mean, this is a guy who played, like I said, electric mm-hmm. in the postseason. Or like you said, electric in the postseason is great. But really, this guy was a fourth starter and a guy that you were debating going into the postseason whether you would want Erod or him to be the fourth starter going into the postseason. Now, obviously, he made the right decision. Avaldi's been great. But I think the idea with these guys, Avaldi, Pierce, and Kelly, is just it's, the idea should not be to re-sign them at all, at all costs. It should be to find the next versions of them. These guys are you know, fringe players that, that, have been, that were great in the postseason, but really over the course of their career weren't anything special. So you, on the next championship team, they can't be on it. You need to find whoever can repeat what they did mm-hmm. because I really don't think it's going to be those guys. You see, I, I agree with you very strongly on Pierce and Kelly. I don't really care about either of them. I don't, I'm not going to go years making fun of Joe Kelly then suddenly say give him $8 million. But Avaldi, I don't, like Avaldi, show, like Avaldi was able to do it. Like Avaldi came out of the bullpen. Avaldi was a starter. Avaldi, I would be willing to give him that 
13, 14 million. And if it came down to this, to it, something I've thought, I would move on from Rick Porcello to create the yep. money to sign Nathan Navaldi. Yep. If you can get him for less than 20 million and trade Rick Porcello and get whatever you can get from him, which I think you can get something for Rick Porcello. He did not have a great postseason, but I think there'd be a National League team out there that would be willing to trade you something decent for Rick Porcello. Mm-hmm. And to this Red so- and I don't want to like, touch on this right this second, but you know, for this Red Sox farm system, something decent is going to be a boon for them. So, I mean, I would move on from Rick Porcello to keep Nathan Navaldi as your third starter. I mean, what do you, how do you look at that? Well, Rick Porcello, I mean, last year's postseason would say, you're right, you know, if all these better than Rick Porcello. But Rick Porcello, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, t- it's still a Cy Young Award winner. And eh, if, you had Cy pick, Young. if you had to pick next year who's going to have a better regular season, I, it's tough for me to say Nathan Evaldi is going to have a better regular season than Rick Porcello, just based on, I mean, it was such a small sample size. Mm-hmm. And he's so he's so uh, shaky, so, you know, uh, up and down with Evaldi. He has some great starts in the regular season. And he also had somewhere he got shelled, and so it, yeah, it's but very you know, tough. so does Porcello, and I just think I, this listen, I listen. We're going to get to the 2019 offseason, uh, I think, uh, coming up here, and Rick Porcello is a feed in 2019. So if they want to move on from him, they can. But uh, over the course, if you're talking about next season, it's tough for me to say trade Rick Porcello and keep Evaldi. But I, 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 I guess I'm still just not totally confident in what okay. Evaldi is, and and saying he's definitely going to be a, a solid third starter for you because it. It can go either way with him, really, in the regular season, at least. That much is fair. I just, I just think if you can get him for less than Rick Porcello, which I think you can do. I don't think, he's, I don't think he's gonna get twenty million. I just feel like the value in that, paired with the upside that I think Evaldi has, which I think he does have more upside than Porcello, paired with also, you know, you're getting something for Rick Porcello. I just think it's, I think that's the smart play for the Red Sox. I think that is, that's at least getting yourself ready to have one less, you know, hit after the 2019 season, which is, you know, I've talked about this a lot on the show, but, and everybody knows it, I mean, that's the big one. 2019, you have, what? You have half this team. You know, you have Bogarts, who's going to be a free agent. You have J.D. Martinez opting out. Mookie is in 2020, correct? Yes, Mookie's in 2020. Mookie and Jackie Bradley Jr. both have their final arbitration year in 2019, and then they're up in 2020. So that just adds to the importance of the 2019. But you have Chris Sale becoming a free agent and none so i mean in rick porcello but you know my, my hypothetical head can you know rick porcello's gone but because also i mean i let rick porcello walk i don't pay rick porcello that's another reason i think you should trade him and get another younger guy locked down longer but so you have chris sale xander bogarts and you know assuming jd martinez is jd martinez next year well is the jd martinez of last year not the jd martinez who got cut by the tigers but the you have those three guys those are three key guys your team but also three guys who i don't think are you know locks as guys you want to give big contracts to and that's where 2018 they still have to be making big decisions because you know jd martinez obviously he'll be turning what 34 after next season is he a guy you want to lock down to a big you know 30 million dollar a year contract which somebody will be 32 but still, you do want to sign him into his late 30s, like the Red Sox have done with a lot of other aging power hitters. And how has that worked out for them? Not to compare him to Pablo or compare him to Hanley, but still, like they, this team does not have a great track record with giving big money to aging hitters. Then you have Xander Bogarts, who, if Bogarts has, you know, the type of year he usually has, you know, if he you know, bats 280, hits 20-something home runs, do you want to give Bogarts a giant contract? I think that's 
I think that's a decision they have to make now. Because you have yeah. him listed at 22 AAV. I mean, some people are complaining that it should be higher. So and That's what I'm it, saying. I mean, do you think that market's going to be bigger for Xander Bogarts? I think it will. Yeah, maybe. It could be. You know, uh, Xander's an interesting case. You know, he's a mm-hmm. top-line shortstop for sure, but he, he's always, always so inconsistent. He can get injured, uh, you know, then his, his season can go in the tank at, at any point. And, and uh, we've seen that happen a number of times. And with that in mind, like if somebody's out there and, you know, you think somebody will be willing to give Xander Bogarts 25, 26, 27 million, maybe that's a little high, but are you, you know, if that offer comes in, are you willing to pay Xander Bogarts 25, 26 million if he has, you know, once again, another normal year for him? Obviously, it takes a giant jump you sign him, but assuming he kind of is consistent because he's getting to that point where guys stop develop having gigantic leaps. Like, are you willing to pay Xander Bogarts that 25, 26 million? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something that I touched on. I just think that the decision for the Red Sox next offseason, I think that they can find a way to keep Chris Sale. They can find a way to deal with Mookie's arbitration and even Ben Attendee, who's going to be entering his first season of arbitration. Uh, but I think the decision really comes down, the hardest one for the Red Sox is J.D. Martinez or Xander Bogarts, because you're probably going to have to pick between mm-hmm. the two. Uh, you know, and, and J.D., you know, you know, they could possibly create enough space for both. It would be very hard. They would, I mean, they would have to really go cheap on the rest of the roster. I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible, but I suppose they, they might be able to find a way. But really, we're talking about who are you going to pick, Xander, J.D.? I mean, Xander, I have them keeping Xander only because of money and age. But if right. the Red Sox just want to think short-term and just keep the better player mm-hmm. and don't care about the age and money, then obviously the answer is J.D. You know, who you end up picking between those two, though, who the Red Sox end up picking, will tell us a lot about their philosophy moving forward. Yeah, but even just philosophy aside, I don't know if I want Xander Bogarts on that kind of big contract. And yeah, if, if you look at that, do you, and if you decide that, and if you're the Red Sox, like I said, you have to be making these decisions now. I mean, I'm sure they already have. I'm sure the Dave Dombrowski isn't like listening to this show like, oh, oh you're right. Yeah. Xander Bogarts is a free agent. I didn't even think about it. But no, like you have to start deciding like if you're not going to, if you think he's going to get more money than you're willing to give him, do you trade Xander Bogarts? To rebuild the farm system. Because I think at some point, they need to sell something off to rebuild the farm system. And like I said, is Bogart's that guy. Do you move on from him this offseason now and get the most you can out of him instead of, you know, essentially letting him walk? I mean, is that something you could see the Red Sox? Or you think, or not even can you see, because I don't think they do that. But do you think that's something they should do? I think it's something they should consider. Ultimately, no. I don't think it's something they should uh, do because... You're talking about a team here that just won 108 games just with a buzz off of the playoff. If you talk about getting rid of too many pieces, you know, it's not, it's, you know you're going to have to think about that in 2019, but in 2019 offseason. But right now, I still think for at least one more year, you have mm-hmm. this team that you know, people are talking about as one of the great teams in MLB history. Mm-hmm. You should keep the core of it together. I know the farm system is an important issue and one that needs to be addressed, but as far as this goes, I would say you want to keep most of this yeah. team together for next season and then worry about it in 2019. I know that feels a little bit like, you know, you're pushing it off and pushing it off and you're, you're going to pay for it. Yep. But when you have a team like this, mm-hmm. you, I feel like you kind of have to, at least and, for one year. And, 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 I, and in the end, I kind of agree with you because it's probably not the most responsible thing. But no, you're right. When you have a team that can contend, usually I'm going to say you should contend and if you're going to suck later, eh, you're going to suck later, but at least you suck with another World Series in the pattern. This team has rebuilt before. I mean, they were able to rebuild from 2013, where they then kind of went in the tank for a little bit. But 
Yeah, no, and I tend to agree with you. I don't think, I think they have a general manager who's also going to agree with you. And we've said for years that, you know, they're in the Chris Sale window, but that's the last guy. And Chris Sale, I think, is most inter- is another very interesting case for this team because Chris Sale, he's going to be a free agent next year. Chris Sale really wasn't much of a factor in the later half of the season, in the postseason. Chris Sale, who routinely, every season, he kind of, he's tapered off down the stretch. So this season, you saw the Red Sox make a concentrated effort to manage Chris Sale. I think there were points in the season where they could have done more, but still, they made much more of an effort this year to manage him, to try to keep him from falling off a cliff. But still, he fell off, and even worse, he got injured. And I don't think Chris Sale was much of a factor in the postseason. And I think the team really needs to ask themselves the question of if they want to move forward with Chris Sale. Because I think, and this might sound crazy to some people, but... I think when you look at things in their totality, there's a good argument for, once again, like this offseason getting out in front of it. And maybe, once again, this might be crazy, but maybe Chris Sale is the thing you move on from to rebuild your farm system. And we've lost Kenny. (laughs) We've actually lost Kenny. He's going to call back in just a second, though, but... Chris Sale might be the piece. You know, Chris Sale, he's aging. And once again, like, you say he's your ace, but. Here, Kenny, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Sorry Sorry about that. that. Did you hear the last piece I said about Chris Sale? Yeah, yeah, Chris Sale and just the decision on him. You know, I think that his his postseason wasn't what you wanted. And like you said, every single year he he has these seasons where he falls off at the end and he can't he can't last. And it's it's disappointing and it keeps happening you know this year really seemed like it was going to be the year that it didn't he came out in july and he was fantastic he's one of the best months i've ever seen a pitcher have yep. and it seemed like he was a runaway for cy young and now they managed him well yeah and now he's not even a finalist for cy young and so you, you know you look at that and you you kind of it, it is hard to say well we have to ignore that and pay him because he's one of the great pitching talents uh, of this generation mm-hmm. but i think i have to say that i mean he is you're talking about the, the next version of Randy Johnson, mm-hmm. and you just have to hope that he will eventually learn something with his body, whether it's finding the right way to build up his muscle mm-hmm. or what have you, and he'll be able to last into the postseason and be the same pitcher then. Uh, I think you cannot just say, well, he's not there in August and September and October, so let's just let this great, great talent walk. I think they just well, have to find a way to resign him. You see, I kind of disagree, though. I mean, I, and I don't say you let him walk. I say if you consider anything, if you – if they come around to kind of what I'm saying, I say you trade him and you try to rebuild. Once again, you, maybe he's the piece you move to at least get something in the lower levels or something you can use to trade or something of value. But I mean, I don't. Guys usually in their, you know, if you, what you're proposing here, what they'd probably have to do, they'd have to sign him to a six, seven million, six, seven year deal at thirty something million. I don't know if I want that guy in the books. Honestly, I don't know if I want Chris Sale. If he can't figure out his body, do you want Chris Sale thirty three? Like, these kind of issues, they don't get, I mean, guys, you unless they're Tom Brady. I mean, unless he gets on, you know, the Chris, the CS, you know, the, C, the on the CS41 method, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it gets better. But that, usually those kind of things don't happen. And once again, maybe you get out in front of it because they, you say he's a great talent and you need him, but they didn't need Chris Sale in the postseason. A lot of guys could have given you, you know, three four-inning starts, giving up three runs throughout the postseason. And you also saw the Dodgers, they well, they could have used Kershaw, but still. Well, not to be the intangible guy, but did you need Chris Sale's dugout speech in game four? I mean, it seemed like that, eh. that 
turn the corner or turn, to, to, turn something around for the Red Sox. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of guys can give speeches. It, <laughs> it's just, you know, you find you trade for a guy who can give speeches. Like, it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable, especially when you also have David Price making 30-something million dollars into his late 30s, which I know a lot of people are high on David Price right now, but I think it's pretty bad for the team that he opted into that contract. I think that overall kind of hurts their team building. But, you know, at least it wasn't a decision they had to make. I don't know. I think, like I said, you have to move on from somebody, I feel like. And yeah, you know, I, I feel like the guy is JD or Xander. I don't I don't feel like sale. I don't feel like we should be uh, we should be talking about getting rid of him only because uh, even if he wasn't pitching, even though he was not pitching very often in the playoffs, it was far few and far between where he, he was starting. I still feel like there's a level of confidence you have when you have that guy on your staff mm-hmm. because even though he was injured, I think we all went into every series and still thought just the beginning of the series. We have the best pitcher. We have the best oh, pitcher on either side. Oh, I did. But, but I, I think the, <laughs> the majority of people felt that way. I, I'm <sighs> sure some didn't like yourself. But and either way, when he came in to close that ninth, he was nasty. Oh yeah, that I was mean, great. That, 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 that was mind, unbelievable. In a, in the, the slider a... to strike out Manny Machado, mm-hmm. the 78 mile an hour yeah. pitch to to change up to Kiki Hernandez. I mean, nasty stuff. I mean, also it was in the fifth game of a series, so I'm not going to say the guy like won you the World Series, but it's just, I don't know, like, I feel like, you know, you got to make the tough decision somewhere, and, you know, maybe that's a guy, and your staff does probably take a step back in the regular season, but the AL isn't getting any tougher anytime soon, like, I don't really worry about the regular season with this team, like, this team is gonna win games with or without an ace, and they did win games with or without an ace for a good chunk of the season when things got tougher, and their schedule got tougher, so... Maybe that's the guy. And then, you know, finally, you know, the biggest, most interesting piece in all of this is, of course, Jackie Bradley Jr., who I'll laugh at when he walks. But after that, yeah. you have Mookie Betts. And I don't like the way this team has handled Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. like that they brought him to arbitration last season. Mm-hmm. I think they should have tried to re-sign the guy. Obviously, the guy is not happy with that. But also, and I forgot to bring this up with Xander Pogarts, but... Him and Xander, both of their, both of them are managed by Scott Boris, who add is. J- you can add JD onto that as well. JD you know, is, he fired his agent last offseason and signed Scott Boris. So you're right, and those, you know, Scott Boris, if he does anything, he brings his guy to market. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That's why Xander Bogarts, I think, is going to get top money. Xander Bogarts is going to market. JD Martinez is. Not because of Scott Boris, just because you know JD Martinez has this has this massive complex about how people view him. Which, man, it's, it's getting fairer, but still, it's a little silly. But, you know, he's going to try to go to market and get top money, which he rightfully should do. And then Mookie Betts. Like, Mookie Betts will probably be the highest player in baseball. But also, I don't know, last offseason I would like them to sign him to a contract, but almost this offseason, after the postseason he had, it would feel kind of we- And I know, you know, the whole body of work in the end, I shouldn't be buying into one postseason, but also... It would almost feel weird after a guy goes, you know, one for 12 in the World Series and then make him the highest paid player in baseball. So, I mean, how do you see the team handling Mookie Betts? Uh, I think they'll, they'll make Mookie Betts the number one priority. You know, it's hard to judge the postseason versus regular season debate, you know, because we started this conversation with people with talking about the guys who had great postseasons but weren't those players in the regular season. So, you know, ultimately you have to pick one or the other. Do you build a team of Nathan Evaldi's and, you know, uh, Joe Kelly's and Steve Pierce's, or do you build a team of Chris Sales and Mookie Betts and, you know, J.D. Martinez's and say, you know what, we're going to hope 
that these guys produce in the playoffs, and mm -hmm. if they don't, we'll have these rather role players to pick them up, but we're going to pay the guys who we know are the best players. Because the small sample sizes are, are tough to read, you know, and, and well, I think Well, you know, the sample size would Mookie, not to cut you off, but the sample size with Mookie is getting bigger. I mean, Mookie has a he's been in three postseasons now. He does have a career 227 batting average in the postseason. He only has, you know, one homer. Like, Mookie has not been good, and maybe that changes, but it's just, you know, every year that builds up. So sorry, no, yeah, the, uh, I'm more speaking about the postseason compared right. to the regular season as a whole. Right, right. You're talking about, you know, sometimes four or five games, in this case, you know, about just about, you know, 14 to 162. And so you know what the players are. And I, I just I don't read as much into those, those handful of games that you see in the postseason mm. every year. So I just think you got to keep the best players. If they're the ones that produce in the postseason, great, but you got to rely on what they are as players, and that's what you're really paying them for. Yeah, right. and then kind of culminative thing. I mean, do you see this? Because I've said that maybe there's a chance that this Red Sox team, their best move might just be to kind of sell off some pieces and go into kind of a soft rebuild. Do you think there's any chance of that? Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's much chance of that, but at, at the same time, fans shouldn't be afraid of roster change. You know, obviously, we'd love to keep the core of this team together, but roster turnover is always the norm for the Red Sox. You just brought up the 2013 mm -hmm. championship team, the roster changes we've seen since then. I mean, roster turnover, generally speaking, is a, a very good thing in baseball. So, you know, you can't be afraid of that. You know, I think a great example of how damaging it can be to try desperately to avoid that reality is the Phillies of the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you were trying to find a comparison for J.D. Martinez earlier if, he, if things go in the tank. Uh, how about Ryan Howard? You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, a team, that's a team that Eat won fresh. a championship in 2008 and tried desperately to keep their team together too long thereafter, mm -hmm. and they've been recovering from what a, trip, trip, uh, a crippling mistake that was ever since. So, well, you know, and then finally, I mean, at the end of this article, which, once again, once again is great on GuyBostonSports.com. Go read this. It's a great in-depth article. You get into the whole thing. You kind of list uh, a rough projection. Well, sorry, one more thing. Before I get to that, I mean, do you think – I've thought about this. I mean, I, I think it's pretty much a lock that Mookie Betts would re-sign with the Red Sox. I'm not going to sit here and try to, like, you know, really try to throw that in. But if they decide to go kind of that soft rebuild route, do you think that's something Mookie Betts would want to be a part of? Do you think Mookie Betts – if he had, you know, other teams on the table being like, we'll all make you the highest-paid player in baseball, do you think – that would factor in. Like, do you think that could be something that could maybe make Mookie consider leaving Boston? Which, obviously, you know, right now everybody's high high on this whole team. But, I mean, do you think he would want to be a part of that? I don't think it, he, it would affect his decision only because I think if you're the Red Sox and you're paying Mookie Betts this exorbitant amount of money, mm -hmm. my guess is that you're trying to win one way or another. Yeah. Even if you go into a soft rebuild or a retooling, as some would call it, I think you're, you're probably still going to compete. If the Red Sox were really going to go a, a route of a rebuild, which I wouldn't envision coming off the season they just had, but uh, with money, it could certainly be a possibility. I, I just think that they would not offer Mookie Betts that contract if they were going in a different direction. You know, So I, I, I do think they'll try to keep most of this team together while retooling in other places and make sure they don't commit to some guys. Maybe, maybe Chris Sale. Maybe that's a guy they have to look at injury-wise. Uh, but yeah, I think that I, th I don't think Mookie's decision is going to be affected by that. If anything, I'd be concerned about uh, the arbitration that's gone to court with the Red Sox, maybe that affecting his decision. All right. Good stuff. And then at the end of this article, obviously, you list a rough projection. I mean, you have Kristen Cassis, you have Chavez in there. I mean, do you think, like, do the Red Sox have, do you think those are guys the Red Sox have in the pipeline that actually might be real players? Because that is 
in my eyes, what they're missing right now. And I don't watch a lot of, you know, minor league baseball. I know there are people that right. do. But, I mean, are those actual guys? So I have a, uh, a friend over, a guy about some sports, Sean Palmer, another co-writer of mine, one of the top guys over there that I, I've talked to a good amount about this kind of stuff because he's really good uh, into this stuff. And Tristan Cash is the guy he loves. He thinks Cash is going to be a big part of this team. And when I talked to him about Sam Travis, who he wasn't a tie on, he said he thinks that Cassis is going to be a guy that could could leap him very, very quickly in the Red Sox farm system. So I think Cassis, yeah, that's definitely a guy that Red Sox fans should look out for. But like you said, their farm system is bare, so it's few and far between. I mean, you're really picking from uh, you know, it, not much, you know, picking from the, the, the scraps uh, when you're talking about the Red Sox farm system. But uh, so far they've traded the right guys and held on to the, the right one. So you hope they're going to do the same here. And whether it's uh, Chavez or Cassis, that someone's going to hit that they can – put on one of the corners, maybe move uh, Devers mm-hmm. to first or DH at some point. All right. Sounds good, my man. Uh, once again, we've been talking to Kenny Doyle, of Gu- editor-in-chief at GuyBostonSports.com, host of the Wicked Smart Pod. Do you have anything else you want to plug to the good people here? Uh, no, that's it. You nailed all of it. Go check both of those things out, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem, man. Come on anytime.